Hey, well, come on, let's pray. God, we thank you. The Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here and that you are in every home and every heart. I thank you, God, for the gift of fatherhood. It's not just your idea, but it's who you are. And I pray today that where there has been pain in the area of fatherhood, that, Lord, you would bring healing, that you would bring peace. Where fathers have been lost, Lord, you come and bring comfort in such a strong, powerful way today. And, Lord, would every father feel the blessing of your spirit on their head in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Amen. Well, it's so good to be with you today. I am so privileged to get to speak to you on this day, the Father's Day. And I remember years and years ago, I started a journal, an adult journal for the first time. And it so happened to be on Father's Day. And as I began to write, I was like, maybe I should start my journal on a different day because this day isn't that significant to me. I'm not a man. Um, I'm not a dad. And as I began to scribe, I felt the Lord just begin to show me how relevant this day is to me and not just to me, but to all of us. See, some of you here and at home, you may not be natural fathers. You might not have fathers. This day may seem a little bit insignificant or actually something you'd like to pass you by. But I've come as a reminder today to remind us all that the Father's Day is extremely relevant. And this is the title that I put on my first ever journal entry. It was this, every day is the Father's Day. Because you know, every day is our opportunity to bless and to honour our Heavenly Father. Now, many of us in the natural, we have been generous, we've been appreciative. Some of us may have booked tables with our dads today just to honour and appreciate them. But I would hope that our appreciation for our dads goes beyond just this day. And I was challenged and in some way kind of in reverence to be reminded that not just this day, but every day is his day. And I want to get us to maybe wonder, when was the last time we encouraged the Lord? When was the last time we blessed the Lord? Do you know you have the power to bless the Lord? And as we're in this campaign called Generous, it's got me thinking about not just the ways that God is generous to us, but how generous are we back to the Lord in blessing Him? How mindful are we to magnify His majesty and His might? When was the last time we stood in awe and wonder at who he is? When was the last time that we just sort of reveled in his righteousness and just stood in respect and honour for who he is? Now, there's two types of characteristics of dad that come to mind immediately, immediately for me. There's the kind of dad that comes in and he bustles in and he revs all the kids up and he has tickle torture time and he throws them on the neck and spins them around and does all of that stuff that's like the goofy dad. But then also there's the kind of dad that, you know what, he gives you that one look and you know you better stop doing whatever it is you're doing. Like, you know what that look is. You, like, fear and revere that look. That It's the kind of one that comes when you're dabbling or messing with something you know your dad does not approve of and you know it's probably no good for you. And so you back down straight away. 
And I want to suggest that it isn't either or. Like, those are two great pictures of dads that I think have a place in all of our lives. And here's the thing about our Father in heaven, and mostly, you know, around this time on Father's Day, we do reflect on the Father heart of God. We reflect on the fact that he's Abba, which means Daddy. We reflect on the fact that he loves us and he's got grace for us and he holds us. But how often do we reflect on the fact that he's not just our Father, but our Father is, in fact, our Lord. He's our Lord. You know who my dad is? He's a Lord. It's like, no big deal. But no, he is a Lord, not just any Lord. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. That's who my dad is. And you know what? I'm pretty grateful for that. Because when the Lord says, I've got your back, I know that the dad that's got my back is the kind of dad that people ought to fear and revere. Like, there's no messing with my dad when he's following me. Do you get me? Like, it's a big, big deal. And I think when we look at the Father and the Lord, they kind of look like juxtaposed things, but they don't counteract the other. In fact, each one empowers the other. And I think it's a shame when... We only go around with one, that kind of one concept of our father. See, there's many people that will be happy to make the Lord, their, make God their father, but how many of us are willing to make him the Lord of our lives? And so I've titled this message today, Generous in God Fear. Generous God Fear. Generous in our God Fearing. See, fearing the Lord is not something that we can afford to be stingy in, but it's something to be generous with. And let's just stop for a moment to look at this word fear, because fear is often a word that we associate with a negative connotation. And I began to explain this to my little boy last night as he was asking what it is that I was preaching about today. And I explained it to him in this way. Now I said, hey Judah, look at this candle that is lit in our house. Now you love the candle. We all love candles in this house, don't we? And he's like, yeah, I love the candle. And we love how it makes us warm and it's pretty and it's really like inspiring to look at. And I was like, go ahead Judah, go and touch that fire. And he was like, what? No, no, I don't want to touch the fire. I'm like, that's good. See that right now that you're feeling is called fear. And it's actually a healthy fear. You see, fear was never meant to be something that just mastered over us, but fear can be something that serves us. You see, as I get close to the edge of this stage, there should be a healthy fear that kicks in that says, don't go any further because you're going to topple over and you're going to crack your head on the floor and look really silly in front of everybody. And worse, you may harm yourself. So there's a healthy fear that can actually serve us well. And I want to ask, where is that fear gone? Where is that fear gone? You see, I don't want to just be part of a fearless generation. I don't want my little boy just to be part of a fearless generation. I want him to be part of a God-fearing generation. Where has all the healthy fear gone? And so I want to look at three things today that I believe are generously generated in our lives when we are generously God-fearing. Now, they're not limited to these three things, but these are the three things that I want to highlight to us today. And here's the first one. Number one, when we are generous in our God-fearing, we become wisdom walkers. Wisdom walkers. Have you ever wondered how you get wise? 
Have you ever wondered, how do I just get wise? How do I just stop making foolish mistakes? How do I just look like I know what I'm doing and just actually do and be and actually just get it? How do I be wise? Well, I'm going to tell you today. I'm going to give you the one-on-one on how to be wise. Here is the answer. It's so simple and it says this in Proverbs 9.10. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice it have a good understanding. Right there is how we begin to be wisdom walkers. It all starts with fearing the Lord. In the other version, it says it's the foundation of wisdom. See, if we are just knowledgeable, but we don't fear the Lord, then we just have head knowledge. And I want to suggest that we are our wisest when we are at our fittest in our fear of the Lord. And to help me demonstrate this point, I want to look at a father in the Bible. And this father was called Solomon. Now, Solomon wasn't just a father. He was a king. And he wasn't just any king. He was said to be the wisest king. And I struggled with this. And I had to get God to help me because I was like, God, we need to talk about your man Solomon. Because, you know, he's actually the one that is responsible for a lot of the scriptures that are penned in our Bibles about wisdom. But I was like, God, Solomon, it wasn't just famous for his wisdom, but he was also famous for his women. Like, he was a womanizer. And that's, if there's anything that's going to offend me, it's that. I'm like, God, how, how can I learn? How can I trust that if I follow this manual of wisdom that Solomon has wrote us, that I'm actually going to end up being wise because what he said was different to what he preached? And, you know, we need to be aware that writing down wisdom is often very different and easier to actually walking out wisdom. And as I began to look at this, and I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, you know what, Becky? The wisdom that Solomon had was not his own. See, the wisdom that he had was mine. And I think we need to be wise to remember that sometimes, like Solomon, I think you can just be walking about in life thinking that you have the gift of the gab, when actually you don't have the gift of the gab, you have the gift of God on your life. But because the gift of God on your life is so strong, you can end up thinking that you know best. And I think Solomon, I think he didn't lose his knowledge. I don't think he necessarily lost his wisdom, but I think he lost his fear in the Lord. Because Solomon, the most famous king for being wise, he actually ended up walking away from the Lord and started serving other gods, something that God hates, and other idols and build other shrines to taking all of his women who influenced him with all these different religions. I don't think he lost any head knowledge. I just think he lost his fear and his reverence for where the wisdom came from. I think he just got too big-headed and thought he knew it all. And here's the thing about knowledge. Um, Knowledge is something I think humanity has craved since the beginning of time. You see, the flesh craves knowledge, but the spirit craves wisdom. See, remember in the Garden of Eden with Eve, what was it the serpent said to her? He was like, did God really say this? See, come and eat from the what? The tree of knowledge, because then you will see and you will hear like God. See, I think we've always got this kind of control over us, that knowledge is power, and we're sort of driven by knowledge. And you know what? Knowledge sometimes looks really advertising. 
Knowledge is sometimes really convincing. Knowledge sometimes actually makes more sense than some of the scriptures in my Bible. But you know what? Knowledge isn't everything. And the enemy will be desperate to knock us off with knowledge. Knock us off our wisdom walk with knowledge. Go, hey, come over here because this idea looks more popular. And this idea makes more sense. Hey, come and join this sect or this church or this denomination or this, this religion that's completely different to what you were doing and different to what the Lord wants you to do because this makes more sense or this is what's popular right now or this theology or this science this is the thing that everyone's on right now and you know what if you if you just are wavering to knowledge all of the time you're not going to walk in wisdom and the thing that keeps me on my wisdom path is the fear and the reverence of the Lord that you know what I might not have all the answers Sometimes my answers won't look attractive. Sometimes I won't even know what's going on. I won't understand. But I have fear in the Lord that he says, if he says it, he's going to do it. And if he doesn't say it, I'm just going to keep on the path. I'm going to keep following him because even when I can't see and I don't even know the answers, I know he's who he says he is. You see, that's how I think people, they can talk themselves out of the religion. But the fear and the reverence of the Lord will keep you driven. Amen. Here's the second thing. The second thing that I think is generated in our life when we have the God fear on us is we become confidence carriers. Now, not are we only wisdom walkers, but we carry something. We are confidence carriers. And it says this in Proverbs 14, 26. It says, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. Everyone say strong confidence. At home, you as well say strong confidence. And his children will have a refuge. Now, as I was looking at the different scriptures in the Bible that talked about the fear of the Lord, it was often attached to something to do with the next generation. You see, how much we fear the Lord is going to actually directly impact the next generation. See, if you have a strong confidence from your fear in the Lord, it's your children that are going to find a refuge. Now, I found this thing on Instagram recently. And I follow this great woman, she's called Dr. Shola, and she first came across my path um, a couple of weeks ago when I was watching, I don't know if many of you are into TV, but I I was watching the, it's the ITV, Good Morning Britain, and I was used to watch it when Piers Morgan was on there, and Piers Morgan, if you don't know, he is a strong debater, he often just takes people out if he thinks that your ideas and your knowledge just sound silly, and I remember Dr. Shola coming on the scene, and she was a woman that was not going to be messed with. And she wouldn't, you know, she was almost like this, it was this moment where Piers Morgan had met his match because this woman wasn't letting him talk over her. He wasn't letting her bully her. He was call, she was calling out the racism. She was calling out all the misogamy. Like, she was not letting him off the hook. And it's amazing that that actual week, he actually walked off set and packed in the job. And it was so amazing watching this debate take place. I had to go watch it on YouTube again. But here's the thing about Dr. Shola. A lot of people don't like her because she is strong. She says the truth. And people aren't necessarily always used to that. They want women to just be submissive and not really talk very loud. And she's not aggressive, but she just, she just won't take any mess in. Now, I found this... Um, tweet that was tweeted about her, someone was saying, this is the ugliest individual I have ever had to look at on TV. Such hate and anger. She should consider therapy. And I think she gets a lot of this. And I thought she was pretty cool. 
And watch how she responded. Now, I didn't know that Dr. Shola was a Christian. And then I saw this. This is how she responded. I am beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully made by God inside and out. Psalm 139, verse 14. You cannot define me. And in the status she put, you cannot touch this. How amazing is that? See, this is a woman that was a confidence carrier. What she was saying is that I fear what God has to say about me, my God, my Lord, my Father, what he has to say about me, more than what you've got to say about me. So we've got a generation of young people that are being defined by what everyone else is saying about them and commenting about them. There's such a massive world open up now. We're trolling and we just need to make sure that we've got an injection of holy, reverent fear that goes you know what and rises up whenever the enemy tries to attack us saying I fear what the Lord has to say over this situation more than going to fear your lies that you say over me and that's what we want to be raising in the next generation is what we want to raise over ourselves when even our own feelings try to dictate and set and sway what we think about ourselves it's not being arrogant, it's going, no, no, I'm just going to have confidence in what the Lord says in this moment. I'm not going to let my feelings dictate me in this instance. Now, there's two types of confidence that come to mind. See, there's a, I've called it the collector of confidence or the carrier of confidence. Now, a collector of confidence is someone that may walk in the room and they own the room. They walk in the room and everyone's intimidated and everyone's scared. And it's the kind of confidence that you collect up and you just help build your own empire. It doesn't really help anyone but you. And then there's the carriers of confidence. These are the ones that they walk in the room and where they go, they just carry godly confidence. They carry it to other people. So they're not just building their own life, but they're making confidence just get on and be contagious to other people's lives. I saw this um, quote from, I think it was Pastor Shelley Giglio, and she said, leaders aren't meant to generate more followers, but are meant to raise up more leaders. Carriers of confidence is what we want to be. And it actually reminded me of the sermon that Roy spoke at the beginning of this campaign when he talked about being generous in our encouragement. And you know, Roy, you really encouraged me because he spoke about being encouraging to others. And as he was speaking about that, it made me go and get my pen and my pad out and start scribing this message. So because of his injection of encouragement and his confidence, he like passed it on to me. And therefore, I'm here today speaking with confidence. And so I want to um, look at another father in the Bible. It's the father called Noah. Noah, we often know him as the one with the big floating zoo, the ark. And I love Noah because Noah says to me that he was a confidence carrier. His confidence carried him to carry loads of wood, to make a big ark, which would carry him and his family to safety. His confidence carried one of each and every animal. Like I don't know how all the animals were just drawn, but I think it was the confidence and the God-fearing on this man. You see, Noah feared that the Lord was going to bring a flood. See, Noah feared that, you know, our God isn't to be messed with. And he's not happy with all of this detestable sin that's going on in his creation. Like, don't, he won't be mocked, people. And he had the fear of God in him that knew what God was about. And see, everyone else probably mocked Noah and was like, no, what are you doing? Are you going insane? But that's where the confidence of God had to rise up. And where did it come from? Because of his fear in the Lord that kept him ha- his hand to the work and to building. 
See, his confidence carried humanity into existence to carrying on so they wouldn't be wiped out. And I love the confidence that he had. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about Noah. And here's the thing about the entire Bible, actually. The Bible isn't just an Instagram reel, highlights reel, of all of the great men and women of God and all of this stuff. In fact, this is what helped me with Solomon. Because the Lord is like, I want you just to learn from the scriptures and from the, the teachings. I want you to learn from people's experiences. I want you to learn from the people that I show you because they are just like you and I. Sometimes they have good moments and sometimes they have not so good moments. And I was reminded when Noah got off the boat and when he came back into normal living, it's a little bit like us, like Noah had been through a pandemic. He'd been in isolation in this ark and now he came out of the ark and he was like, now what, Lord? What was all this hype about? Like, I'm just now in a wasteland. And we find Noah drunk, like passed out. And I was listening to um, a famous celebrity, I think it's Kelly Osborne. She said, you know what, I made it through the entire pandemic without drinking. She's had a drink problem before. She said, I made it through the entire thing. And then as we came out of it, I just saw someone celebrating. I thought, you know what, I can do that and I can do that with a drink. And then she said, and then the next day, I went to a bottle and the bottle turned to two bottles. And then she said, I'd realised I, I, I was back where I, where I was, but I felt so, so bad because I'd done so well in the isolation. And she was like, I need to let everyone know that I, I've, I've um, what's the word? Relapsed, I think that's the word. She said, I need to let everyone know, so I'm going to put it on my Twitter so everyone knows I've relapsed because I need to make sure I don't get in this cycle again. And it's amazing that Noah had gone all that time and he comes out and for many of us, we might be in a season where we're going, now what? We've been in isolation. We've been in the will of God and we've gone through it and now we're here and we're like, now what? Everything's just going to go back to normal or what? What are we going to do? And in those moments where we just lose our confidence, I think that sometimes we just lose the fear of God on our lives where we go, he's just brought me to nothing. And they're the moments that we need to allow ourselves and our spirit to be generous, like over generous with the fear of God so that we keep on track. See, the enemy would love the people that are confident in the Lord to be fed with a fabricated fearlessness. And what I mean by that is where he comes and goes, hey, take this substance. Hey, just take this. This will numb the pain. So why do people drink? Because it either gives them some confidence or it numbs the fact that they have no confidence. And in that moment, I love the Lord. In that moment, he sent the sons. And there was two out of the three sons. Some people will ridicule you for your mistakes that you make. But there was two sons and they covered Noah. They covered him over because he got naked when he was drunk. We do crazy things, don't we, when we're drunk. They covered him. And see, that's just what the Lord's like. He has this confidence that will cover you. And when you are in the fear of the Lord, you have a confidence that not only carries people, but it covers people when they make their mistakes. And so I just want us to, I present this to you today because I want us to learn from Noah, who was a God-fearing man. He was a confidence carrier of the Lord but be on your guard because the enemy is desperate to take you out and to just feed you with fabricated fearlessness and fabricated confidence and that's why we've got to be remaining generous in our fear so the third thing the third thing that I think is generated when we have a God fear on our lives is this not only are we wisdom walkers not only are we confidence carriers but we are truth tellers we become 
truth-tellers. And here's the passage I want to look at. Okay, it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, but I've just highlighted today so it fits on our screen nicely, the bits that I want to really focus on. But the whole passage, if you can go and read it today, or do do it, don't wait to the end of the week, because then you'll just forget. But if you read the whole passage, there's so much good stuff in it. And it says this, in verse 2, And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord. See again, talking about the generations when talking about the fear of the Lord. You and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live. If you obey his decrees and his commands, aka his truths and his words, you will enjoy a long life. Number six, let's skip down a little bit. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments, my truths, that I am giving you today. Number seven, repeat, highlight that word in your Bible, repeat them again and again. So what he's saying is repeat his truth and his word and his statues again and again to your children. Talk, highlight that word, talk, talk about them when you are at home. And I'm going to add emphasis, talk about them when you are on the road, talk about them when you're going to bed and talk about them when you're getting up. Talk, talk, talk. What is it that you talk about the most? I put a little poll out on my social media last night. I said, what is it that people would say if you asked them, what is it I talk about the most? And I asked my kids this because I kind of guessed. I thought maybe they would, maybe my husband would say that I just talk about women's rights all the time. Or maybe it's that I, my kids would say I talk about the housework all the time. Like I genuinely, I think I'm in fear of the housework. It comes out of my mouth, the concern for it all the time. I think I even put up last night about spaghetti being everywhere. As I was sermon prepping for today, there was, I was in a pool of spaghetti. There was spaghetti on my feet. We had spaghetti for dinner and everyone really enjoyed themselves because it was everywhere. And um, I asked, yeah, I actually asked them, I said, what is it that mommy talks about the most? And Judah said, church. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, church. And I want to be someone, when I ask my kids, what is it that mommy speaks about most of the time? I want them to say, the Lord. I want them to say, well, actually, mommy loves talking about Jesus. Mommy just is just so in love with Jesus. That's what I think of when I think about what is it that she talks about, what she goes on about all the time. And sometimes we talk about a lot of good stuff. And I'm not criticizing that. I had loads of great answers coming through my poll of really good stuff that people talk about. And I'm not knocking that at all. But I want to ask us, do we talk about our cause or our call more than we talk about the creator himself? See, it's good to have a call. God gives us a calling and God gives us a cause. But are we talking about the stuff more than we're talking about the Father and our Lord? And that's something that I've been really challenged by. And my little boy last night, as he was making stuff in the kitchen, I didn't tell him about this stuff. And he went, you know what, mommy? I love talking about Jesus because I love talking about history. And both of the two go together. And I thought, isn't that amazing? Isn't that how we just want to be? And recently, there's been this um, kind of buzz statement that's been going on um, that I hear a lot right now. I think it's a popular thing where we're in the habit of telling people to live and speak their truth. Like I've heard people say, Becky, you just speak your truth. And you know what? I don't think I like it. 
See, I'm not here to speak my truth, but I am here to live and speak in his truth. You see, Becky doesn't know everything and Becky will get it wrong and I need to be reminded of it a lot. But I'm not here just to live and speak the truth of Becky. I am here to live and breathe and speak speak every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You see, just, you know, not all truth, not all truth is the actual truth. And sometimes when we don't live in the truth of God, when we live in anything other than the truth of God, what we're actually living in is a lie. We can live a lie. But because we've walked in it for so long, it's actually become our truth and it's become our reality. And then we can get really, we can get really numb to the fact that we're not living in his truth. And so I want to talk about Abraham. This is the last father of the day. And the worship team, you can start to come back to join me because I'm coming into land. And this father, he actually gained the name Father Abraham. We know him for being Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Father Abraham had many, many descendants throughout the generations. In fact, the Lord said to him, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars. And Abraham as I look through the scriptures and I look across like maybe all the men I've spoken about today, Abraham was the most, one of the most God-fearing characters that I've come across. Like he was a man that had the fear of God on him. But still, there were just some little pockets, just some little moments where I detected that he may have just lost his fear for a moment. See, Abraham wasn't just a man that feared the Lord, but he spoke the Lord of God, spoke uh, the truth of the Lord, but he also didn't just talk the truth, he spoke to the truth himself. So if we want to be truth tellers, we need to make sure we're talking to the truth himself. Abraham was often caught talking to the Lord. He talked to him like a friend. See, one doesn't counteract the other, but when he talked to him as a friend, he didn't just get familiar with him. He still knew that that was his Lord. He still was aware of the power and the might of who he was talking to. In fact, when you come to God and talk to him, not just as your father, but as your Lord, you speak to him in a whole different way. Like it's way more empowering and way more powerful. And the Lord spoke and told Abraham what he was going to do. In fact, there was one moment where Abraham actually got God to change his mind about something. You see, when you're speaking to the truth, you get to be part of writing history. And the truth of Abraham's life, or maybe his calling, is that he was going to be the father of many nations, as I've said. But Abraham, even though he was the bearer of so much truth and spoke with the truth, he had a little problem with telling fibs. And I want to suggest that when you have a little problem with telling fibs, it's actually a much larger problem of being deceitful. And I remember in the very beginning of his story, he had his wife, Sarah, and she was really beautiful. I remember they went down to Egypt and Abraham was like, Sarah, these Egyptian men, they are going to love you. They're going to want you for their own. So let's just pretend you're not my wife. Let's just say you're my sister. And you know what? Somewhere along the lines. Maybe they were brother and sister. I don't know. Maybe they were brother and sister before they got married. I think they did stuff like that back in the day. I haven't really checked that, but it wouldn't surprise me. So maybe it wasn't really lying. It's like, we're not really lying. And we're like, Abraham, you're deceiving yourself. You're actually now living and talking your truth and not the Lord's truth. If you've stood and made a covenant with this woman before God that she is your wife, she is your wife. This isn't no little white lie. This isn't a fib. This is a lie and you're deceiving yourself. And what you're going to end up doing now is walking in deceit. And that wasn't helpful. 
And then later, later on, fast forward. See, it's amazing how little white lies can turn into bigger issues. Some time had passed and Abraham hadn't yet had a baby and he was getting old, getting really old. And so his reality was and his truth was, my wife is getting older and that doesn't add up. Babies getting older doesn't work. But you see, God's truth was that you're going to be the father of many descendants. So Abraham was like, I know what I'm going to do. Sarah went to him, here, here's my maid. She's a younger version of me. Take her and we can get ourselves a baby. And he was like, that's a good idea. No, Abraham, it's not a good idea. That's not what God said that he would do. And so they had this baby and then the Lord still said, you know what, that's, that's great, but my covenant is going to be through Sarah, like I said. You're going to have a child, Abraham, yourself with your wife, because that's my truth. See, Abraham might have been thinking, well, I'm still in line with God's idea. I'm still in line with God's will because he said that I'm going to be the father of many nations and I'm still in line with it because I'm having a child with this other woman. And you see how easily you can deceive yourself. And when the fear of God is not on your life, you can start lying to yourself. And how bad is it? Oh my goodness, when you lie in the name of Jesus, you lie in the name of the Lord, but it's the cause, it's what God's put me here to do. But what he was actually saying was, I don't fear God enough to do this through me and my wife. I don't fear God enough to do the impossible. When the messenger of God came and went, hey, you're still gonna have a baby. Abraham laughed. Sarah laughed. And the messenger of God said, Sarah, why are you laughing? He said, because I'm old. See, Abraham and Sarah talked more about their truth than they did God's truth in this moment. And the messenger said, but isn't, isn't anything not too hard for God? And it did come to pass. They had a child and they named him Isaac. I'm going to finish with this. When they had Isaac and he got a little bit older, the Lord said to Abraham, take your son. And in this moment, Abraham's about to fear the Lord in a way that I don't think I will ever fear the Lord this side of earth because I'm still not there yet. He said, I want you to go up the hill and I want you to sacrifice your son as an offering to me. And so Abraham, maybe having learned from his mistakes and learned that when God speaks, I've got to fear him enough to know, to know what he says is true. I need to not get tempted like Solomon, even though this doesn't make sense right now, even though knowledge doesn't actually add up here. Like I would take the son that you said was going to make me a father of many nations and now give him back to you. He took him and he went up the hill. And you know what's really important? In the moments where we don't understand, in the moments when God isn't making sense, in fact, in the moments where I don't even know if I like God right now, in the moments where actually over there in that faith, that looks more loving, I think I'll go over there because I get that now in this season. In the moments when it, you just can't see who God says He says He is going to be, it's so important to not stop talking to the Lord. It would have been a tragedy if in that moment, as Abraham was walking up the hill of adversity, if he had stopped talking to the Lord. And there's so many moments 
when we're walking and sweating up the hill of adversity that we decide, you know what, I'm going to bail. I'm going to stop talking to the truth teller because he's not saying the things that I like anymore. And in those moments, they're the moments that we've got to surrender and we've got to fear him the most and get on our knees and be like, God, I don't get it, but I still need to talk to you in this moment. I fear and I revere you enough that I'm going to trust you. And as he got up to the top of the hill, this is what the Lord said to him. It'll come up. Okay, my clicker's not working. Oh, here we go. Do not lay a hand on the boy Abraham. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son. And that's in Genesis 22, 12. Don't lay a hand on him in Abraham. See, if Abraham had stopped talking to the Lord, he wouldn't have come down that hill with the truth to tell. If we want to be truth tellers, we've got to be generous in our fear of the Lord. Come on, everyone here, let's stand. And I'm going to pray to finish. And this prayer is going to come up on your screen. You can pray it with me. But Lord, I pray that we would not be a fearless generation, but a God-fearing one. That out of the flow of our fear for the Father, we would be wisdom walkers, confidence carriers, and truth tellers. Never forgetting that every day is the Father's day and you are the Lord to be feared, honoured and revered. That's who our Father is. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing this song. We can clap. Let's give honour. Let's give honour to our Father. I'm so glad that you're here. Come on, let's give honour to our Father. Come on, let's give some reverence and honour because the Father is in the house. And let's sing this song. And as we sing this song, let's just think of the God that we respect and we revere. Let us just take a moment to allow Him to surround us with His awe today as we sing this. Amen. Thank you, Liz.